everybody, and a very warm welcome to the latest edition of the official Korean FC podcast. I'm your host, Damien Mullen, and I am back in the hot seat again after a couple of weeks' absence. Uh, I think Johnny McNabb came off the sub bench last week and filled in and uh, for me in my absence. Uh, and the podcast was in safe hands with Johnny. So um, Johnny is back again this week to help us pick through the week in, in local football. And I'm delighted to say that we're also joined by popular Korean striker Curtis Allen, uh, a man who has scored 54 goals and 127 appearances for the Bandsiders across two separate spells. So uh, now I'm not sure if this was by accident or design and we need to ask Johnny about this, but Curtis joins us in the week that there's just one topic that's dominating the, the headlines in local football. And of course, that has to be the sending off of Cole, uh, Glenn Torn, goalkeeper Aaron McCarry during last Saturday's 2-2 draw at the Oval. And, uh, of course, Curtis spent a good part of his career at the Oval at the Glens. So perhaps maybe Curtis can offer us some insight into an incident which has uh, has really gone global, Gary Lineker and people like that all having their say. So, well, Curtis, can you, can you fill us in? Any insight or have you heard anything about what happened last Saturday? That's a strange one, isn't it? Um... I spoke to a couple of the Glens boys after the game and from what I gather, the big keeper was taken into the manager's office and whatever was said or done was was done in there away from sort of the player's knowledge. Um, I think Mac did have a sort of, I think it was more of a joke with a jag from what I gather to Bobby Burns about, you know, did you really need to, to be ruling about the grounds? Which, when you think about it, you go, well, maybe, you know, that's probably harsh. But at the same time, I think from my point of view, it was a strange one, you know, I can understand the big keeper, you know, he came out and, you know, somebody charges at you in a match. I'm sure Bobby Burns doesn't think he's going to get grabbed by the throat by his own player. You know, he goes down and whatever, and he's a big lad, the keeper, he puts him down. But I, I don't really understand then, you know, when he grabs him, there's no real sort of reaction from him. And then he sort of rolls about a wee bit, you know, rather, I think if he had got up, not not by any means, you know, and tried to go and fight him or whatever, but sort of put the arms out and said, you know, what are you doing? I think he would have looked better, and you know, and I've, you know, there's been a lot of talk on social media, and I've read bits and pieces about people saying, like, I don't think he really, the keeper's he's completely wrong, obviously, but I don't think Bobby Burns sort of um, did himself any any favors really the way he went down and way he rolled about. You know, I don't your man didn't punch him, you know, from from what I can see. Um, yes, he's a big lad, he threw him to the ground, he sort of picked him up, but I don't think rolling about whether it's your own player or another is was the right thing to do, and. The keeper, he's lost his head. We all know keepers are, are nuts at the best of times. I think you have to be nuts to be a keeper, but you know, there's no place for that, you know, on a pitch. And, and as people have said, listen, I've been in change rooms where there's been fights and arguments and, and people, you know, go coming at each other in, in my current dressing room and, and once before, which is fine. And that's that's what happens. But you know, on the pitch is, is a different cat of fish. And yes, you could be up in their face and, and, and having a wee go at each other, but. I think the strange thing for me really was the rest of the Glenthorn players didn't really react too much to it. You know, there was nobody really running. I know uh, Big Paddy McLean sort of threw the ball, but, you know, there was nobody really running to sort of go, you know, I need to split this up, which I found strange, you know, and I don't know where maybe it just took them all by surprise, but I think, you know, if it was like so Big Dainsey did that, and we'll say, we'll say Linden, or what, you know, somebody of the same sort of Bobby Burns size, I can imagine being more players running to go and grab it. You know, what are you doing? Well, it just seemed like, you know, a bit odd the way the whole they went about it. And 
it's a strange one. Listen, you know, I know the Glens have come out and, and tried to play it down, which they obviously have to do. You know, the manager's not going to come out and start, you know, ridiculing players or the media or whatever else. But I think the Glens, he'll, he'll get fined two weeks' wages, whatever. I think that's the most he can find somebody. And I would imagine, then you look at Big Skinner, got a 10-match ban for, for the, the toilet incident. You know, you can't see him getting, you know, less than that for something like that. So we'll see what happens. That's a very, very good point because... You know, something, yes, obviously Skinner did his misdemeanor on the, on the pitch and, and at that cup final, as you say, and it was well documented. But I would argue that what Aaron McCary did was a hell of a lot worse than, than Skinner's misdemeanor. Oh, definitely. definitely, because Skinner's was sort of one of them ones. He didn't think maybe the cameras were there. You know, there was a whole sort of thing with COVID about whether you were actually allowed to go back into the change room and all this here. And, you know, he was slapped by a 10 match ban. You know, this was on you know live TV again and obviously social media or whatever doesn't dictate how many matches you get but the way it's went round and, and the way it looks for the player and the club you know surely you'd think the league are going to have to come out with you know, a pretty hefty um, suspension because if they don't then where does that leave players and things you know, you know hitting each other or headbutts and things like this then you know in the future um, I think Johnny you know I'm Curtis was saying about, you know, the, the reaction or the non-reaction of the Glen Torn players and about it being a confusing situation. And I think, you know, you and I were both in, in the press box at Glen Torn for, for those that don't know, it's right at the back of the main stand, which houses all the, the home supporters, the Glen Torn supporters. And we were all in the press box. We were all confused because we didn't see what had happened. The, the fans in front of us kind of were confused because they didn't know what had happened. And then, it was only slowly it emerged then that the, the red card was being shown to the goalkeeper. And as he was making his way off, you know, I think it's fair to say that the home supporters certainly made their feelings very, very clear once it happened. Um, you know, that gives you an indication, I suppose, of, of where the supporters' feelings were. I mean, is that something that you would have picked up on? Yeah, it was a weird one because they're like, I'm just a minute of like, what, what have we just seen? And it was actually, I got a message from Aaron, he was watching the match in the stream. And I, I can't really repeat on air what he said, but he just said, McCary <laughs> just done what he done, you know, and even watching the bag, it just seems totally surreal. Um, I think, you know, obviously McCary's a fault, but as I agree with what Curtis says, I don't think Bobby Burns helps him out too much as well. And I think from a captain's point of view, I think that's where the Glens miss Marcus Keane, um, their club captain. I think he might have stepped in there and got things sorted. Uh, similarly, I think if that was Gareth Dean in London, you might have Stevie O'Donnell or, or something in there sorting that out straight away. And yeah, the Glens fans are they have every right to be angry that they were one and two one. Uh, the game was only two each with 10, 15 minutes to go. They were down to 10 men. So they're going to hang on. They're going to they're, you know, at best they were going to get a draw then, but if they had to kept 10 players or 11 players on the pitch, they, they maybe could try to get a winner. So yeah, I can see I can see why they definitely would have been angry. I'm just thinking back because I've watched it a few times. It, it does get worse every time you see it, but as Curtis mentioned, there's a bit of hilarity involved there, like Patrick McLean throwing the ball at him, which is completely bizarre too, to try and stop it. He throws the ball at his back, which I, looks mad. I think the Glentoran players were just as shocked as everyone there. You know, like, I've never seen that before. I've seen Kieran Dyer and Boyer right enough scrapping with each other. And maybe Bobby Burns actually does himself a favour by not retaliating back because he could have got sent off as well. It was just... Honestly, you could chat with this until quarter past three tomorrow and, and not come up with a conclusion. It's just a mental, mental scenario. And I think, you know, obviously 
Mike McDermott has to come out and, and, and downplay it and say these things happen all the time. But they, I would love they be in a change room, you know, the change room highlights of all the season and see what happens in there. Just, I've just never seen it happen on the pitch. I, I mean, Mick McDermott, I mean, afterwards we were standing there when uh, Thomas Cain from the BBC was, was doing an interview with Mick McDermott. And to be fair to Thomas Cain, he was, you know, he was insistent and he kept going down the line. I mean, what, what did you make of, of, of what Mick McDermott said? Yeah, Mike McDermott's going to have to back his players, isn't he? And he's going to say he's going to be kept in house and he's going to get it sorted out and, and everything else. It's, you know, <laughs> you could probably written the script for him. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens, obviously, with the ban and, and whatever fine he gets and stuff like that there. It's it's going to be very, very interesting to see how many games on this. Um, so obviously, he'll be suspended anyway because he got a red card for, for this weekend, but it'll be interesting to see for, for the games ahead. Yeah, well, indeed. And I suppose, Curtis, Turning back to the looking at the game it, itself, uh, you know, from your point of view and from Korean's point of view, do you look at it, regard it as a point gained for Korean or two points dropped? Um, I think I think the draw was probably a fair result when you look at you know over all the chances and, and the way the game sort of planned out. I think both teams did pretty well and you know at, at stages and you know after we scored. Games had a good period of you know of play and and, and sort of we had periods and stuff and it sort of toed and frilled. Um, end of the day we have to look at it. It's, it's, a, it's a you know it's a point gain really. They're a full time full time team. They're going to be up there you know um, you know up down the top of the table at the end of the season. There's no doubt about that. And, and for us, you're trying to take points and, and and trying to get as many points obviously against the, the teams you'd imagine are going to be around you. But the big things now for us is the next couple of weeks, and it's no disrespect to your one point before the but the other teams you must you must take three points off, and then you go on your fight and you you know you get your good result against Crusaders, which in past maybe you wouldn't have, and then you maybe have a draw against the Glens. So you know for us it's an our point at the table. It's a full time team. You know you dust yourself off and you move on to you know the next couple of big games because we had a, a couple of tougher teams you should say. I don't say that sometimes the, the, the teams at the bottom of the table are tougher than the big ones, but. You know, I think what's happened over the last few weeks with Crusaders, and you know, the result there, and then, and then obviously Saturday, you know, I think, well, you know, as a team, we're, we're not coming away overly disappointed. You're probably saying, you know, what, when the 10 men all could be a sneak did, and I suppose the two goals are disappointing um, when you look at them. But no, I'd have to say, you know, a point gained, you know, is, and we'll move on, you know, to Saturday. Yeah. And uh, another, another goal out of the top drawer, I think, for, for Connor McKendry to open the score. And I mean, He's a, quite an impact in the short time that he's been at the club, uh, Curtis. He, he's, he's a bit of a fan's favourite already. I suppose he's, he's quite a few goals. Um, I mean, what kind of what kind of a lad is he? He's not long at the club, has he? He's made an instant impression, obviously, hasn't he? He has. He seems a nice lad. He travels up us in the car wheels. Sexy, uh, Winky, myself and trainer. We pick him up just following around about there. And like when he played for Lauren that last game of the season, there was two games basically he played against us. I think it was a Lauren last game of the season, and it was maybe a friendly. And um, he was very good. You know, he was sharp. And I remember even I played both games and I'm thinking, this big boy's got a bit about him, you know. And I was excited when I learned you know, that said they'd sign him. And I thought the deal that was that happened was a very good deal in terms of Corian, you know. Um, and he came in, and I think the, the goal at the field was, was massive for him because it was a bit of hype. And I think. You know, in training, he was shooting and he was doing similar things to Gal, and he, he looked sharp. There's no doubt about it, he's a sharp player. But I think you score a big goal like that, a wee bit of realization comes, you know, and, and we all know what the Korean fans are like. It's like a big family, and you get a lot of praise and things like that. 
and uh, maybe went, you know what, this is, you know, brilliant, and opens up a player, and like Oren said to him, you know, after that game, I, I spoke to him myself, actually, you know, I'm obviously injured at the minute, so I'm trying to do as much as I can off the pitch to try and help, and I would say that about shooting, and listen, I love a shot more than anybody, probably in that squad, and people have moaned and, and things about shooting and all, and at times I moan because, you know, if you look at our team, there's not actually that many people actually do shoot, which is ironic, but I've never seen Glack shooting so much in the last couple of weeks, but I think that's came from Connor. I really do. I think that's opened him up. And we talked to him and I says, listen, as long as it's not a guilt edge chance and you're trying to shoot and you miss and you could just pass it to somebody's an open net, you know, nobody's going to criticize you for shooting because what happened in the Linfield game, he'd shoot, he'd shot after shot after shot and you're going, and then the next thing, bang, it's a goal. And everybody forgets about the shots you've missed because you've just stuck one in the corner. And there you look the next couple of games after, he's got a cracker against Banger from long range and another cracker against Glenn Torn. And, and for me, he's coming into his own. He's still bits and pieces of learning. He's going through penalties, which have kept him going about <laughs> on the way up. But in terms of attacking and, and what he wants to talk about in the car in terms of his ability and trying to learn, I think he's a fantastic signing for, for us. And I think with a 4G and things like this, he's certainly, you know, scored a few more goals playing this season. And uh, of course, the second goal as well on Saturday, Cahar Freil and... I guess he's another player that sort of has come in in the club in the summertime and has a had a period of transition as well. I think Oren was telling us on Saturday that he's no doubting about uh, Bushy's goal scoring abilities, but it's more now about trying to get him up to speed with what is required as a front man in an Oren Kearney team, if you like. And I mean, that's something I suppose that you're very well aware of. You've played up front for Oren's team. And I mean, what does he mean by that? Does he mean just the work rate or pressing from the front? Or what specifically does Oren mean? It's match fitness. Like, from my own point of view, I suppose, last year at times, nobody very rarely was injured, striking-wise. And this is probably where Bushy felt maybe a wee bit of luck this year, where I was physically felt quite good training-wise. But there's a difference between having training-wise fitness and match fitness. And obviously, when I had been out, you know, for Glenn Thorne such a period, with COVID and all that there, there was no reserve games. I was struggling to get, you know, 10 minutes off the bench is, is, is nothing. Yes, the ball might drop and you might score a goal, which is great. You go down the road happy, but you need that match fitness. And Bushy had a period of time, obviously, where he didn't really play at Palmina. He went to Carrick, but he trained bits and pieces. He played a few games, but that's not hammering here, but he came in, you know, the preseason, not in particularly the best shape. I know he's been working hard and, he, and he's lost a bit of weight. He's getting there. But Orm means that where, you know, it's opportunities to try and get as many minutes under your belt because it just gives you that little sharpness that strikers need. Again, there's no doubt about it, you know, um, coming off the bench, getting a wee goal gives you confidence and it's getting them, you know, different things like that. And, and obviously getting games like the, the League Cup uh, like that is really going to help him. And that's where he, he needs. He's probably lucky in a sense that myself and, you know, James are injured because there's, he's not really fighting anybody else for a position. If you imagine all three of us are sitting on the bench, what they do, maybe Orm brings me on one week, maybe I start one week, maybe James starts one week, and then the, you know your minutes are coming down and down and down. So for the minute, it's it's fantastic for him to try and get as many minutes. You know, I'll be the same in a, you know, in a month's time or whenever I can able to get back where I'm going, right, I need to try and get fit as possible training-wise, but I need as many minutes because as soon as you get them minutes under your belt, they stick by you the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, Johnny, from your point of view, would, would you agree with... Uh... Curtis's assessment there that a draw was probably a fair result. Uh, I mean, there's very little between the two teams, Korean and, and Glentorna. I think that's four draws in the last four games. It's it's quite a, an amazing statistic, isn't it? Yeah, it seems like we always draw the old one. Even probably when Curtis was there every game, nearly ended up being a draw. 
Um, yeah, I thought the first half an hour we were a better team, scored a good goal, looked, com- uh, looked confident. And then the last 15 minutes of the first half, Gareth had to make a few good saves. Um, and then the first half an hour, the second half, they were very important. They were they were brilliant. They, they got a good equaliser, great ball over over the top, and then and then the penalty. And probably the last fifteen minutes, then we 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 were the better team as well and got the equaliser. And yeah, all in all, fair fair, fair, fair result um, and two very evenly matched teams. And we all we have to all do it again twice in November. So uh, I think two draws again probably. There's there is not absolutely nothing between the two teams. And I guess, uh, you know, good to see Adam Mullen coming on and, uh, at half time, but slightly disappointing to see Rodney Brown going off. I think he'd maybe picked up a groin strain sort of earlier in the month and perhaps a little recurrence of that. And, and I guess at this stage of the season, it's best not to take any chances. 100%. I think um, everyone knows. I think Adam Mullen certainly has probably our most underrated player. Um, I think he's very, very good in the, in the back. And, yeah, Rodney Brown, I think, has been probably our player of the season so far. I think he's he's always a 7 or 8 out of 10, and, and hopefully that's nothing too serious. I think, obviously, he had to come off against Carrick and then having to come off against Glentoran. So coming off twice probably in successive games isn't, isn't ideal, um, but it could be one of them things where he just has to be managed over, over the next few weeks. Mm, and, you know, the, the point, I suppose, is, is a good point when you think, how how tight and how competitive it is at the top of the league and um, I suppose Curtis really at, at the moment you know they're sitting there nicely Corian just behind Cliftonville I mean Cliftonville going very well 2-1 winners against Larn yet to be beaten Curtis I mean when you've got Joe Gormley in your side scoring goals you've always got a chance haven't you? You have and, and they've started off really well and they've picked up a couple of results where they've scored late or, you know, they've maybe been 1-0 down. Even look at last night and that kind of down shield. They were 2-0 down and they end up winning 4-2. And a, and a result like that, getting beat by a banger or whoever, can rock your season a wee bit or put a wee bit of sort of self-doubt in. Johnny Addis has come in and, and, and been a revelation, for like, I think, from them. And it was a steal, really, him signing him because he's Google the ball at his feet, which shoots Cliftonville down to the tee. He's experienced. He's a, a model professional. And, you know, they, I think they're, they're sort of pinching themselves that they've actually got him here because of, from what I gather from seeing things online and whatever, it'd be friendly enough with Johnny. And, you know, I think he's been their player of the season so far. If Joe the goal, obviously, coming back, there was doubts there and stuff. But see, at the end of the day, you know, doubt a, a goal scorer at your own peril. You know, I've been doubted many times in my career myself. And goal scorers will score whatever happens. You know, if the chances are there, you'll, they'll back themselves. And, and once you get a couple of goals, they're off and running. And listen... It's early days, but they're they're right in there, and, and they've a couple of big matches coming up, um, which you know we'll see what it is. But they look good, and and they're going to have their their injuries and their suspensions as well as everybody else. We we're, we seem to be picking up a wee bit more injuries here now, and hopefully that'll clear the decks for us, and we'll have a, a good run on it. They're a good side, but you know, I think it's early days yet that to sort of really put them in the mix, you know. It really is. I mean, I think we're only seven or eight games in, uh, generally speaking. You just mentioned injuries there and the extent of injuries and, and how how Clevenville, I suppose, have, have escaped so far in terms of injuries. Can I ask you, Curtis, just about your the extent of your own injury? I mean, for people who maybe don't aren't aware, what is the extent of your injury and where are we at the moment? Yeah, I think it's probably a strange one because because obviously I came off the bench against Dungannon and I wasn't sort of about, and I think there was rumours going about that I had COVID, and I saw a couple of things online saying, you know, where is Curtis Allen? Is he still playing? And, and things like that. And it was unfortunate because I thought I had a really good pre-season. I obviously played the second leg of the Europa League. Um, 
trained right up, no problems. And it was only in the week just sort of come up to the season or the week before that, big Skinner fell on me in training. And if there's ever a man you don't want to fall on you, it's Skinner badly, you know. And from that, I, I didn't come out of it, you know, thinking I was really hurt, but I had my feet, my foot was sore. Said they are the next night, but never really thought anything of it. And, and, and from there, it was just always sore. And to be honest, we weren't really sure what was wrong. Um, Killer thought that it was maybe something that irritated the joint of my ankle, which he was pretty confident that's what it was. Um, and so it took a couple of weeks off because of the 4G and stuff, things like that. They thought maybe, you know, it was just too much. Took the 4G, or took a couple of weeks off, was doing the gym, came back, and I think I tried to train. I think I trained, and then I came off the bench the day we played um, Porter Down. I think we played Porter Down a friendly. Um, I came off the bench, and I knew it wasn't right. It kept saying this isn't right. Anyway, took another couple of weeks off and then was managed to sort of train two nights. And I was taking a lot of tablets, but it sort of started to question myself a wee bit going, because I was walking about okay. And it was only when he was getting out of the car, it was sore and things. And started to question, maybe can I just get through the pain barrier here? You know, is there something that right? So anyway, I got through the training and the plan was, I spoke to the Orn, I would, I would come off the bench against Dungannon, hopefully get maybe half an hour and then I would play the full game against Bangor. And that would be me off and running, you know, here we go sort of thing. And I came off, you know, came off the bench and basically within 10 minutes, I could have came off again. I knew something not right here, but I, I pushed through it. Obviously set up a goal, set up Ray Rowland's goal. And then after I said they weren't like, there's something not right here. Just knew there's something not right. Got the scan and turned out that I have a fracture in my foot. So I have a stress fracture on a bone called no fecular bone. It's just sort of the top of your foot nearly up towards the joint of your ankle and um, so basically, I fractured it, and I was on crutches there for three weeks. And uh, one of the sort of airsoft boots, I've now off the crutches, and I'm going to see the specialist again next week. And hopefully, it's started to heal. Um, listen, it's not ideal. It's, it, it just seems since I've signed back for Coleraine, like ugh, I've been so gutted in a way because it seems like I've, I've been here nearly what two years now, or one and a half years back at Coleraine, and, and it's just I've just been plagued by injuries now my whole career. I've never had too many injuries, so I can't complain too much. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I've just just been so unlucky, and I was probably physically in the best best shape I've been in terms of fitness and matches and things like that, and um, where I've been for a long time, probably for the year before you know I got injured at Glen Torn, and it's disappointing. But you know, for me, I'm trying to look at the positives, and hopefully, you know, it shouldn't be too long, and, and I'm sort of going to probably should have at least half a season. And um, back, you know, the, the, the matches I have played, you know, when I've been fit and I've been around the goal sort of the tail end of last season, probably was when I was getting there. I was playing well, I was scoring goals, I felt sharp, and, and obviously I played the Europa League. But that's where I'm at. And I would imagine the majority of the fans probably don't even realise that my foot is broke, you know, and I think there's been a bit of uncertainty, as you say there. And it's just one of them things that was disappointing because a sort of month nearly went by where we didn't realise it was broke. And I was walking about with it, I was driving, I was trying to train, you know. And doing all this stuff, and then all of a sudden you say, "Well, once that's broke, you shouldn't be putting any weight on this." Which obviously didn't help either. So we're here now. I it's frustrating for you, Johnny. It must be so frustrating for for, for the likes of uh, for Curtis here because, I mean, he finished the season so well last year. He, he had a good run of games and scoring goals and scoring important goals, which helped obviously Korean uh, achieve their their ambition of getting into Europe. So. It must be so frustrating for a player like that, Johnny. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Curtis won't be saying this. It's probably been a frustrating second spell. Um, obviously coming back and then COVID hit and 
he came with a serious injury from your from your time at Glentoran as well. And at European game, um, the second leg, I actually thought you were probably your best player in the night. Um, you and Roman thought you had a good game that night as well. And then obviously <laughs> you're walking around and, and training with a broken foot. And you can never have too many goal scorers in your team. Um, obviously Matthew's popping up at the minute. Skinner scored more goals this year than he did last year. And so hopefully, fingers crossed and, and touch wood that whenever yourself and, and, and James are back and, and Carr's up to speed that all five years can 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 find the, the back of the net. Mm, I mean, Curtis, I mean, mentally as, as well as physically, suffer, like having a, a reasonably long-term injury, how difficult is that? Because I guess it's a, a rather lonely place as a footballer when you're when you're facing a, a period of injury like that. I mean, how, how do you cope with something like that? There's been stages of, you know, since I came back where I've, I've struggled. I've been struggling. I think, you know, when I, I sort of had all the... Coming back to Korean was was probably the best thing that happened to me because it was in a bad way. Then torn, I was falling out with Mick. There was different things going on. I'd been injured, but I'd never really experienced too much of a long term injury. And come to Korean was like a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, obviously came on against you know the League Cup and things like that. But I wasn't anywhere near fit, but I was managed to get through it. And then when I did start to get back into it and past COVID and all that, then obviously I wasn't really getting on the team and things like that. And um. Which I hadn't experienced too much in you know, my career, and it was disappointing coming up, and I was sort of all over the place. And then it was a stage member when I played against was a cruise, and I wasn't overly happy with some of the comments, you know, that were made that time, you know, and it was the commentary, you know, when we were saying it basically, it was, I think it was something said about, you know, it was a last sort of chance for me, or it could be sent up the road, and obviously then I went and scored and whatever. But things like that do sort of affect me. But now I'm not sitting here saying I was struggling with mental health or anything as you know as bad as that. But as a footballer, you know, for me. I want to play, I want to score goals. I like pressure of scoring goals and things like that. And it was difficult for me to sort of comprehend where I was at. There was a stage probably in January where I was struggling, where I just felt like I was nowhere near the team. I wasn't getting even off the bench. I spoke to Orn about, you know, where, where I was at and trying to get games. And obviously there was no reserve games. And he said, you know, Listen, we need to get your games and things like that. And uh, to be honest, I just knuckled down and, and just sort of thought, you know what, I just need to do more. Personally, and I just tried to show on and show that you know that I could do more, and then obviously I started to get wee bits and pieces, and I think that showed coming up to the end tail end of the season where I was sharper, I was working harder, I was believing in myself again, you know, because I, I, as a striker, you know, goals are massively, and if you're not scoring, or you're not you know not getting chances, you can sort of doubt yourself. And I looked back on my you know career things and different things like that, and and started just saying, "Well, I can still do this." And I think it showed in the games that I did play, coming up to the end of the season, and, and you know scored. I think the alarm match scored, and then Linfield was the sort of tail end of that. Or sorry, the Linfield match scored, and then I scored an alarm match later on the sea, the last game of the season, and that gave me a sort of a little bit of belief again. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's you know what I can still do this because. I fell over hearing people saying that's about age and all, you're, you're getting now, you're maybe getting that stage and, and things like that. And I look at those other players, you know, look at Big Skinner. He's rolling back the years. He's And he's, what, five years older than me, if not more. So I don't <laughs> like you know, when people say about age and things like that because, you know, I do believe I've still got a lot to give. I do believe I could score a lot of goals. And I think that last couple of games in the last season just got me back to where I need to be mentality-wise. That's probably why I was fan pre-season. I really looked after himself in the off season of what I was doing, what I wasn't doing, and I came back and I was really gearing up for a massive season because, uh, you know, as you said, there it has been sort of not particularly a great return to Korean, and I feel like 
have some have so much more to give to the fans, you know what I mean? And the fans are probably sitting there listen, right, so I've been injured and I've been a bit part player, really. Probably going, maybe we shouldn't have brought him back, or maybe he's finished, maybe he is too old, and all these questions that, that fans give you. And I know I've got so much to give. And if I can get a run of games, you know, people will be saying, he's still got it. This is the old Curtis Allen, you know. So that's where I'm at. And I think mentality-wise, with this injury, that's I'm at a good place, to be honest. I'm, I'm just thinking positively and going, do you know what? If I can get back here, I'm really counting my calories and making sure I don't put weight on at the minute. I'm trying to make the best of this injury. And I'm going, listen, I could still have more than half a season or, or half a season left. And I'm end up, you know, could I score 10 goals in that half season? Could I score 15 goals? And that's the attitude I have at the minute. You know, I've no doubt that I'll come back stronger and fitter and, and ready to go. And I think having that wee good pre-season, I'll, I'll stand by me. Johnny, it's, 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 it's enlightening to hear Curtis talk there because I think too often fans and media, et cetera, et cetera, we all, we all watch matches and we all have our opinions. And of course, social media being prevalent, we all have her bits and pieces to say, but... A lot of the times, I, I guess we don't take into consideration the, the feelings of, of, of individuals and, and players because they're, they're all human at the end of the day. And I think it's refreshing to hear Curtis just talk about how difficult it is. But what's also coming across is, is a sense of determination that Curtis wants to come back and, 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 and prove himself again, if you like. Not that he has to prove himself, but uh, that's good news for Korean supporters, isn't it? Yeah, obviously, like, in a sick sort of way, I actually enjoyed listening to what Curtis had to say there. It shows that he cares. That's the main point I took of that there. You know, how many times have you seen a player, you know, maybe in their 30s or ever having a very serious injury and thinking, ah, I'll just see out the rest of my career. But Curtis there has 15 goals for, it for the end of the season. Um, it's, it's funny because Curtis probably only had maybe a half a season of action last year and he got 10 goals. Um, so, yeah, you definitely know where, where the net is. And I remember interviewing you after a game last season. I think you scored. Um, it might have been Crusaders or Warren Point, one of the two games anyway, and, and I remember interviewing you, and you said that you are coming up for training, coming up for matches, and not playing, and you were wanting to hit Warren, and throw Warren, and everything else, but it shows that you care, it's passion, and I'd rather listen to that there, than the run of the mill, everyday people just accepting the hand that they've been given, and you know, obviously, I know, I know you're going to work hard to get back at it, and um, as I said already, you can't have too many goals in your team, and, and I'm sure you'll be back in no time. Yeah, and, and Curtis is right too, I mean, if he, if he looks for like inspiration, if you like, you know, you just have to look at Skinner, Owen Bradley. I mean, he's doing the business. I mean, it's arguable that Owen Bradley's maybe playing some of the best football of his career now. He's, he's age 37. He's playing, uh, he's playing 90 minutes more times than enough. And for the likes of a Curtis there, I mean, in his dark days, he can look at Owen Bradley and think, yeah, I've got another four or five years now and I can have a, a good winter to my career. And, you know, that that's encouraging for the likes of Curtis, isn't it? Well, of course. And, and even at the learning the pitch, look at Doogie. <laughs> Played Doogie in the you know, 40, 41. So, yeah, Skinner, in my opinion, as well, has been brilliant this season. Um, obviously, they've got Skinner's games quite different to, to Curtis, but at the end of the day, they're, they're there to put the ball in the back of the net. And, and Skinner, I think, is playing the GAA as well. He's combining the two and I remember Skinner broke his ribs, was it, against Glenavon, hit the post or poured it out or something, and I think he was back within a month or six weeks. He, he's a, I, we say it all the time, and in a nice possible way, he is a freak of nature. He just, he, he, he even looks like he's lost even more weight um, the last time I seen him as well. So, yeah, he keeps off a good nick, and he's probably, in the attacking end, he's so effective for us. If, he, if Skinner plays well, we more or less play well, I think he's so good at holding the ball up. He's the best in the league at it. Um, his strengths are just... He's probably the most effective footballer probably in the league, in my opinion. Just how he holds the ball and brings everyone on Sunday play. And I'm sure Curtis loves playing with him as well as Glags, Connor, and whoever's up front with him. 
Yeah, I was going to say, Curtis, I mean, what's he like to play with Owen Bradley? Because everybody goes on about him and the role that he plays. As a, as a, a striker that probably plays with him or plays off him, Johnny said about his effectiveness. I mean, how, how much of a pleasure is it to play with somebody like that? He's, he's the maddest player you'll ever know. Like he is. He's probably, I like to describe him, he's, he's the worst, best footballer I think I've ever seen, you know, and that sort of thing where he does stuff in training and you just think, how's this guy even play football? You know, awful things, you know, and he, ru- he ruins, you know, keep balls and, and stuff at times just because, you know, he, he just messes and he's shouting at everybody and he's laughing and joking and things like that. But then he goes out to Saturday and you look at that Crusaders game, he just throws boys about. I've, I've never seen anybody so strong in my whole career. Spike Ferguson's probably the only one that, you know, you would say had that ability where he just chucked the ball up to him and he just went bang and took it. And like, he makes a mockery of boys at times, like, you know, and he puts, he does that where he puts a foot in the ball and he has a hand out and, you know, and people are nearly trying to push him, I guess, and he just stands. And when he does do that, like, listen, I've, listen, I would never try and say, you know, I'm a hold-up player. Yes, I've had to adapt my game to try and hold the ball at times, especially the cleanse. But, you know, pumping the ball up to me, you know, is no good. But when you have somebody like that, it's a, it's a dream when you can bring it, you know, and he can bring it in and he can bring people to play. It's a dream for boys like me. It's a dream for like Glax and Connor because they're looking for it and then they can get on with it, you know. And I think this year, I think the pennies dropped with him a little bit. I think he knew last season. He was sort of in there to the team. He didn't play an awful lot. Um, you know, and, and I wonder, did he, you know, did he think maybe this is the end coming? And he thought, you know what, maybe a similar sort of thing to myself where you go, do you know what, maybe I want a wee bit of sort of something to prove, you know, fear. And, and again, he had nothing to prove. He could have walked away and he'd still be classed as a legend, you know, and all this sort of thing. And I think it's just that sort of winning mentality that, you know, players have, or not everybody has it, but, you know, and go, do you know what, I'm going to really show these boys. And I think that's just given because you actually see him running sometimes now. I don't mean that in a bad way, but, he, you know, he's sprinting at times. And you go, he's going to go, you know, and, and that's what we want. And that's the best from him. Because there was a times he would have just stood up there and, listen, he's he's a character. He's a brilliant guy to have in the change room. He's a brilliant guy to have in the pitch. Some of the things he shouts, he has the, the bench laughing because, you know, somebody hits a ball up and he's shouting this and the accent. I, I always remember the Irish Cup final and I was at Stilton Glens and we won. And so when he scored, remember, later on against Cliftonville and they interviewed him after. My wife, we were sitting on it. My wife just turned around and said, I can't understand the word he's saying. You know, and, but that's just him. And I think that's what makes him more funny, you know. And he is a great lad to have around. And, and I'm really pleased to see him doing well because when Owen Bradley's got his mind on it and he's training well and he wants to be there, as you say, he can be one of the most effective, if not the most effective player in the league. And as you say, you know, for the likes of yourself, and I, I guess probably it's no coincidence either that Matthew Shevlin playing up alongside Owen Bradley and, and Matthew's probably his goal return this, so far this season has probably arguably been his best for quite some time. I think it has been his best. You know, I think Chevy spoke to me about it and he said this is the best return I've had, you know, or the, you know, the best run of games I've had in my whole career. And Chevy's he's a good lad and it's somebody who, you know, I'm trying to help out myself. You know, when I was younger, Darren Armour, I always mentioned Darren Armour was massive for me in my career when I was young in just terms of helping me out with things and, and different things. Yeah, and I'm trying to, to sort of bring that and they try to do it with Robbie McDade and like Paul Neal at Glens and, and, and Chevy's another one in that sort of category where, you know, lots of different talents, but could, you know, maybe we still a wee bit raw, even though we've been around the league a lot of times and would overthink a lot of things, you know, and that sort of thing. And listen, on the pitch, people can be sort of hard on players and things like that. And you need to be a big person to take that. And it's, sometimes it's not, 
you know, I'm a moan on the pitch too, and it's not a personal thing, and you have to understand that. And I think he takes things personally sometimes, but he's doing really well. He's a handful. He's another one of these ones at times. He has people, you know, boys and fits and laughter training because he falls over the ball. Or he, he there was a night there a couple of weeks ago actually, and. <laughs> We were playing this little sort of small set of game and the ball came in and was bouncing. He tries to sort of spin and volley it. But Lyndon sort of, as we know, sharp. Lyndon nips in before and maybe a couple of seconds went by and he just volleyed Lyndon the chase. <laughs> and the ball was way, you know, it was, it was gone. But he still had that and he obviously just didn't see it and he just bang and Lyndon goes down and really bursts out laughing. Look, thankfully he was okay. And he's orn laughing and all and he like... He, 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 to be honest, I'm glad to see it because in his career, he, you know, he sort of came on the scene, he did quite well at Palmina and then was sort of shifted away. He went to Linfield, which I don't know why he ever went to Linfield because it was a silly move, I think, where he was, was in his career and I told him that. You know, and, and now, again, back in joining his football and, and, and playing games and, and probably <laughs> part of the team. You know, if you imagine, imagine at Linfield, yeah. players, even you're a bit part player, it's, it's hard. And I felt even that last year when I wasn't really playing too much, even though, you know, I've had a career and I knew, you know, boy, I knew all the boys, it's sometimes it's hard to feel part of it when you're not playing that much. And I think he's just loving life. That, you know, he's, he's playing, Orange talking to him, you know, through things, he's getting his goals and he's getting rewards. And, you know, long may I continue because he is a good lad and he wants to learn. And, and when you speak to him, you can see that he wants to learn and he's taking in, you know, he's not just saying, oh, I good one, you know, and go and do my own thing. Because he has little pits, you know, that he can learn and, and little tricks that you can learn there Irish League to win fouls and, and, and you know score goals, especially movement. They've been talking to him recently about his movement in the box. Um, and you know, I mean he's only gonna improve as a player and and, and I think he's he's done really well this season. Johnny, it's fasc- fascinating again to listen to Curtis there as well. And I think you get a flavour for what he's saying just about the training and the and the group, etc. And it probably it's testament to the to what Orn and Winky and the rest of the backroom staff have engendered at Korean, that sense of it's all different parts and different kinds of players, but somehow Orn managed to successfully mold them into a winning squad and a winning team. And I mean, it's that's some uh, some achievement for the likes of Orn, isn't it? Yeah, and especially I think Orn, you know, it's always chat chat about the full time aspect, but I think when Orn gets the players for a couple of nights a week, they really do really do enjoy it and they, and they work hard. And yeah, the bit part players is the thing that or the bit uh, is a bit I took from what Curtis said. And you know, Garth Dean probably didn't play as much as Limpfield as he would have liked, and he's been very very good for us. Jimmy Glacken, the Jimmy Crusaders, Connor McKendry, and, and and even Chevy as well. So yeah, Orn can seem to get the better, can get the best out of players and. The two goals that Chevy scored against Carrick uh, in the League Cup were just two instinctive finishes. Um, two that probably Curtis would have been proud of. Uh, probably a combined yardage of about 10 yards, but they all count. And um, Chevy's done really well this year. Eight goals, I think it is. And, and I'm sure he's targeting another, maybe another 10 before, they, before the season's out, probably even more. So he's been, he's been very, very impressive. And I think he's better up through the middle. Um, I can see why Warren plays him out wide because he works hard and and that's another added goal threat, but I think Matthew Shevin through the middle is, is, is going to be prolific. <clears throat> yeah, the, the game that he played out wide against uh, on the right-hand side, funnily enough, was the, the scoreless draw at home to Glenavon, and that was a game that he didn't play up top with the one Bradley. But again, listening to Curtis, I, you know, it, it seems to me that supporters would be better going to watch Korean training as opposed to the game. <laughs> it's sort of good, sounds like good crack, doesn't it? It <laughs> uh, does, it does, yeah. I've been lucky, well, I lucky enough to go on a few European tours with them, and uh, uh, there's some characters in that team. But obviously, look, yeah, they can have a laugh at training, but um, their hard work has paid off in the last three or four years with 
early finish in the league and, and, and success that we've had. But I guess that's key to the success of, of the team and the squad, isn't it? Because they all work hard, but they play hard as well. And, and there seems to be a good atmosphere within the camp. And, and that's that's not easy, always not easy manufactured, is it? No, of, of course not. But and, you know, a lot was said after we lost the first two games of the season, um, which was away to Lauren, away to Cliftonville, probably our two hardest away games of the season. And yet we haven't lost a game since. Um, I think we've, what was it, won six and, and drawn three, or maybe, maybe a bit more than that. And, yeah, like Oren, there's a full belief in that squad and a full belief in Oren. And as well, I've mentioned this a few times in the podcast, but I can see why Oren likes a, a shorter squad. So then everyone's ready to go and, and, and get ready at it. And, you know, we've a few players there that probably haven't played as many minutes recently, Jarvie and, and even Evan Tweed, for example. But, you know, they're, I know they played for reserves the other night, Parky scored as well. So they're raring to go whenever they get their opportunity. So I can see why he likes a smaller squad and, and, a, and a good atmosphere. Mm, just Curtis, finally on your injury, we'll just final finalize that. Uh, any time scale, I guess you don't want to rush back. You only want to come back when you're really, really fully fit to 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 play. It's hard to know. I think you see the mm. class of is a sort of a high risk bone that have broke, um. So it's probably a wee bit longer than what a normal one is. At the Ghost Asbestos and the Ulster Independent Clinic next Wednesday, um, and hopefully he's going to sort of do a few tests on it and, and hopefully then the good news will be yes, this has started to heal or it's healed, you know, X amount percent and then it's a matter of just sort of weaning out of the boot. I would imagine it'll probably in our two weeks after that and the boot maybe trying to wean out of it and then from that it'll sort of be, you know, going from your walking to your jogging and obviously the 4G pitch is hard on your ankles at the best of times so we need to be careful of that because we don't want to obviously break down again. So, listen, my, my uh, opinion of when I hopefully will be back is probably different to what uh, Al Miller's and then the specialist is, but, you know, we'll take it easy. But I imagine hopefully around Christmas time, I would certainly be training, um, you know, and I know there is reserve games and stuff, so hopefully I could get a couple of them in my belt and get going, and who knows, it could come on and score the winner, you know, Boxing Day. Well, here, listen, you did well last year for the second half of the season, if you can replicate that. And again, push Corey in to, to win something or, or to get into Europe would be great. So um, just looking ahead this weekend, Corey, and I think we sort of talked a little bit about it. We mentioned it briefly at the start about Corey and home to Warren Point Town this weekend. Um, I mean, Barry Gray's side, they've only won once already in the league and they've lost their last five. So you would think on paper, this would be an easy one for, for Oren's team, but um. I guess it doesn't always work out that way. And Curtis, you're a, a, an experienced Irish league player. Oren mentioned after Glen Torn that Warren Point this Saturday is a, actually a harder game than Glen Torn at the Oval. And I'm guessing that's something that you would probably agree with. It is. And I think, you think back to a couple of years ago, funny enough, we were talking about it in the car the other night when we were talking about the game. Um, or our Corey went on a fantastic run a couple of years ago. And then, do you remember everybody was beating Warren Point? I think we were at the Glens, we beat them 6-0 or something. And ended up beating Corey in 3-1. And that was a massive three points dropped in the league. I think that could have maybe won the league for, for Corey. And so, you know, that's not a bad thing when you look at it now because that will be in the minds of the players. And, you know, we can't slip up. Listen, if we go and do what we need to do, we'll, we'll beat them. There's no doubt about that. But as you say, it's easy for players to get up for the big games, or Glenn Torrance, or Linfields, or all the TV games. That's that's the easy games you get up to. It's these ones that you, um, you know, really need to be on on the on the button. And last year, you know, obviously, was that funny enough? Was the game I'd scored two, and we got off the good starting, and end up two one. Um, but I think the pitch will be a massive factor. I think just the way we play, they're not a bad side. One point, young. 
I think if you can get an early goal against them, you, you know, with our experience and the way we can move the ball in the pits now, you know, we, we shouldn't have too many problems. But as you say, Owen doesn't let, let the standards slip too often, you know, and he'll be on us on Thursday and, and obviously the team talking Saturday to make sure and probably will remind us, I would imagine, of that maybe result a couple of years ago just to have it because that gets you a wee bit of sort of bit between the teeth. And listen, it's not easy. You know, they're down there and I know they've lost games or whatever else. And But, you know, we we stick their guns and we know when we go and play what we need to do, I, I can't see any problems. Yeah, I mean, Johnny and I have been watching Korean games probably for as long as any of us would care to remember. And, you know, many of the time we've watched games against, no disrespect, you know, some of the, the lesser lights, the Warren Points or the Dungannons, and they have sometimes been a struggle. And and Johnny, I guess, patience is the key in games like this, but if you get an early goal and break the deadlock early, then that's ideally what you're looking for. Yeah, and, you know, Warren Point last year, we beat them 2-1. All three games last year, um, we found them really, really tough to beat. I remember, I think Stuart Nixon, he scored a winner last minute in the first game. The second game, Curtis got two, and then Garth Dean, he was the man of the match. He made some unbelievable saves in the second half, and then we actually fell behind against them in the last game. And then Stevie O'Donnell scored twice. So, yeah, we, we, we've never, ever had it easy against them. And um, as I'm not expecting them to see him, I think. I think their best performance this season was actually away to Cavanaugh. I think Cavanaugh only beat them 1 0 with, with a late enough goal. So, yeah, they'll probably set up and, and be hard to beat. And an arm trainer, he probably doesn't say many wise words. But after the, the match on Saturday, he says that uh, if we can get the opening goal, um, it would help us. And, and yeah, that's another three points would be, would be ideal and, and just move on to the next one. Mm, you mentioned Aaron Trainer, and one of the other things he mentioned was about the uh, just about the Korean support. You know, I think he referred to them as the twelfth man. And uh, Korean, the two home games that they've had so far, the crowds have been massive, and I think nearly a thousand season tickets sold, and, and both home games so far have been well attended. And how important are those supporters, or the, the strength of support in games like this on Saturday? Yeah, it's, it's going to be massively important for, for Korea. And I think, you know, as Curtis said, for players and fans and everyone involved, it's easy to get up for Palomino at home and feel at home and stuff like that there. But it's getting a bit of atmosphere going for, for those other games. And I remember like watching more point at home last year where Curtis scored twice and there's no fans there. It, it's soulless. It really, really is. And I think, you know, our, our fans, in my opinion, are probably the most vocal in the league. Um, once they get going, the, the big drum and everyone going is great. And, yeah, they're, they're going to be needed on Saturday. They're going to be needed probably for every game, and I know that. I know how I know how much they are loved by the by the players. You know, trainer he absolutely loves it. I remember the night I think we beat we beat Lauren, we beat Lanfield, all them two teams. He was sitting dancing around. So yeah, if we can get the drum going and, and get the get the fans going to good atmosphere, it's great. It's not it's not even great for the players. It's just great thing for everyone going. It's great going. I'll get a sing song here and give a bit of aggro out and stuff like that there. So it just makes for, for a good day. Uh, Curtis, as a player, do you do, do you notice and do, do players take note of, of support or is that something that supporters and people in the press make more of an issue of? They do. And uh, like that first game back, obviously, was a Balamina game. Like The players talked about it about after the game. They talked about the crowd and things like that. And you thrive off things like that. You know, there's a there's a, a feel-good feeling about the club. It's more so Everton and, and now with the new pits, the change rooms and all. And there's a professional real professional attitude about the club with the way the change rooms are now and the, and the sort of plans, the pitch is good. Because, listen, we all knew the pitch was poor before. When you're coming up sometimes, and maybe it was one point and it's raining, you go look at the pitch, you know. And one point, love that. Happy days, we'll sit in. I think now when you go out and your pitch is brilliant and, the, you know, it's skidding off it. You hear the big drum and the fans are all loving it and everybody's glad to be back. 
players thrive off and you think it gets you going, you know, when it does get you going and then when you score and you hear the roar and your boys are going into the crowd. Listen, I'm standing there as well, wishing I could be out there, you know, and that's how much it does mean to the players that the fans are there because it's fantastic and there is a fantastic atmosphere around Korea. I thought having the kids in was a was a brilliant idea that the kids that day because they did make a lot of noise and it's brilliant to have them, the, you know, the kids and stuff there and listen, if we can keep that up the whole season, that's worth, you know, could, could be worth three, four, five, six points on the board. You, yes, they're not getting the points themselves, but that pushes you forward and you get a last-minute goal and stuff like that. Or a shot, you know, hits the bar and the crowd goes and there's a corner and you're all shouting. And you do hear little murmurs when there's corners, you know, somebody shouting something, maybe particular you, come on. And it gives you that wee bit of edge because you, you want to get that goal, you want to get that you know, result because then you, and then you lap up, you know, the applause and things like that. And, and that's why you play football. That's what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, that's... Uh, do you get it? Is there a... a it's probably a difficult, not a fair question. When you see the guys on the pitch scoring and running into the railway end, is there a part of you that's that jealousy part that I want to be there oh, doing that? 100%. Well, <laughs> one million percent jealous, yeah. You know, I want to be out there on the pin the ball in that 100%. You know, like, listen, that first game of Balmain, as I say, I stood just at the tunnel and stuff, and I, I was 100% jealous. I was really like, I was gutted nearly. And, you know, we've got a one last year, but it was good. I wasn't part of it. And yes, I am still part of it, but I'm not really, you know, and you're not playing, you're not in the, the bench, you're not in the squad. And yeah, if I was standing there and I wasn't jealous, I think, you know, it'd be time to hang the boots up. There's something badly wrong, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, uh, what about the other games at the weekend? I think, uh, quick look there, Glentorn, Balmina, Cliftonville, Curtis. I mean, DJ's probably looking for a bit of a reaction. They got a bit of a spanking on Tuesday night from Lauren, so they would need to. Uh, get a win under their belt, wouldn't they? Well, I mean, they're sort of turned into a bit of like a Glen Avon where you just really know it's not going to turn up. They could go there, you know, and beat Cliftonville or they could beat five, you know. Who knows? They played a full team last night and, and got up 4 0, so maybe they make a couple of changes or whatever. And like, it's hard to say. I thought they were very poor against us. As good as we were, I thought they were poor. Cliftonville will probably be going there for the conference, but you just never know. Balamine is one of them teams over the last few years have maybe went and turned over Linfield or, you know, and, and, and had a wee upset. So hopefully they can take points home and it'll help us, you know. Mm, Johnny, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I mean, Balamina, <clears throat> excuse me, you just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, they've been generally poor this year, but would it surprise anybody that if they beat Cliftonville on Saturday? No, um, like, I don't think many people would have fancied them to beat Crusaders in the League Cup. Um, and they and they seem they scored two or three good goals on it as well. So yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, t- a tough one for Balmain. Clubbull are going there in a, in a crest of the wave. They I, I only seen there that Clubbull were two down last night and uh, came back and won four two. So yeah, again, there's usually a lot of goals between them two teams, isn't there? And I think I said Balmain beat them last year up up at the Solitude, if I remember rightly. But I think the I think for Balmain they they get a result they would need to they drastically improve. Yeah, it's going to be difficult for them. And Glentorn at home to Portadown, probably if only really one winner there. Would you think, Johnny? Yeah, obviously. I, th- I think there's a bit of Portadown. They, they played in the middle of the cup last night from where, where they beat by, by one point. Um, yeah, Portadown. I think they've only won one game this season. I think they're near the bottom of the league anyway. So yeah, they'll be they'll be wanting to pick up points as soon as they can. Probably they probably don't doesn't get any tougher than the way the Glens. Again, the Glens will probably <laughs> the bottom of performance, not even get back to one of the ways, but just the obviously the McCarry incident and, and get back. So yeah, look at they hardly look by by one one there to be honest. Yeah, and Curtis, you would fancy your old team to, to pick up maximum points there, I would have thought. 
Yeah, I think with the quality the Glens have experience, you'll put it down. I do like I like Tippy, you know, as a manager, and I like what he's trying to do. But they're breeding quite a, you know quite a few young players in there who've still a lot to learn, and I think when you go down to likes of the Oval and you know, the decent crowd there, with all the social media stuff recently, and <laughs> I think uh, the Glens will just sort of shift them out of the way, and they'll, they'll, they'll comprehensively beat them. I have no doubt about that. Mm, and then the other game the weekend Saturday, you mentioned them there, Glenavon away at Crusaders again. I look at that, I don't know. I could go either bloody way, couldn't it? It wouldn't surprise me if that was four four or something. You know that, that that's that's the way Glenavon seemed to be. Crusaders again were actually going okay when you looked at it. They were under the radar when we played them. I actually said that they weren't. They've been under the radar a wee bit. They're they're moving along all okay there. Then they were awful against us. And then they were put out of the League Cup and you're sort of going, I think there's there's still questions within that change room of the old sort of, you know, players, are, are they still there? Are they, you know, are, they, are they done? You know, and the new players are coming in and, and the things they got. And Glen Alvin, you look at it, they've been like that for years. You just don't know what you're going to get from them. And mm-hmm. goals, but nearly always concede goals. And I think, you know, at Seaview, you'd expect probably Crusaders, you know, on, on the 4G, they probably, probably won't have the upper hand. But... I wouldn't make the call, to be honest. No. Uh, Glenavon, Matthew Fitzpatrick's banging them in, Johnny. Yeah, uh, big Matthew, he's probably probably frustrated with his time at Corian and, and he's went to Glenavon and, and he's banging them in. Yeah, again, that is, Glenavon's the team I hate playing the most. You just don't know what you're going to get. Um, you know, they, they go to, they go to Clim- or Crusaders and win 3-0 or get beat 3-0 and you wouldn't be surprised by either. Uh, Crusaders, they haven't played now in the last two or three games. Uh, I think they've, they've COVID um, there. So um, yeah, look, I think I'll be a high school and draw. I'll, I'll go for I'll go for a two all on that one. And then the final game in this this uh, week's fixtures Monday night, Larne home to Linfield, and I mean, for any neutral any football person, that that will be a game worth watching, Johnny, won't it? Yeah, the two teams trying to trying to knock the ball about. Um, obviously, Larne are at home, and they'll want to they'll want to force a bit of it. I think they've actually got a good decent home record against Linfield recently as well. So. Um, yeah, again, big games at Gap, usually tight, usually probably a draw again without sitting on the fence. Um, yeah, McDeed scored a great goal against Cliffable um, last weekend as well, and they'll be wanting to get back to running ways. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think I'll be a draw, but I do think I'll be a, a very good game to watch on Monday night. Mm. So I'll, I'll go for a while. Yeah, a draw wouldn't be out of the question. I just think, personally, I just think that's kind of the game that David Healy and Linfield relish and I just think personally that they'll have a little bit too much for, for Lauren but that's that's my opinion uh, Curtis you're probably better informed than me uh, how would you see that game panning out? Well obviously a draw would be ideal for us um, mm. a wee bit more pressure on Lauren now because obviously Cliftonville beat them there um, you know they weren't particularly great against Crusaders from what I gather you know, a couple of weeks ago although they, they, they did sneak a result in the end and I think that's just out of pressure after losing Saturday. You go into a big TV game, you know. And as you say, I, I sort of agree with you. I think Linfield are just starting to get into their stride a wee bit. You know, I know Dundell are, are, are a lower side, but just brushed them away last night, you know, in the, <coughs> in the Antrim. Um, one point, easy 3 0. They were 3 0 after 20 odd minutes and happy days down the road. And they're starting to just get their pace going, which is not what we want from our point of view. But yeah, I think it'll be a, a close enough match. But I think Linfield will help, just have too much fun. Mm, and Christy Manzinga, of course, is, has found the goal scoring touch. He was he was much derided last season, obviously, but he's really come to the fore this year. He's another player that we're talking about that bit part player where 
listen, this, strikers need to play games. That's how you get a, a goal score. And that's how, and when your opportunities, maybe that he was in there to the team, it's, it's difficult then always, you know, because you might go in and have maybe an off game and then you miss three and then you're expected and there's a wee bit more pressure on you to come in and do it. And that all, you know, sort of builds up. And that's why you're seeing maybe the best of, of Chevy at the minute because he's got a run of games. Um, Fitzy's another one who would have been a bit part player really in and out of Korean and, and didn't really look. And now he's got a run of games. Confidence goes up. Things start to just fall in the box or hit you in the head and go in. And that's what's happened to the man saying, yeah, he, he's, he's a strong lad. He's a good strike on him. But the confidence of knowing that you're going to play on that Saturday. If I don't maybe play as well this Saturday, but I'll play next week. That's massive for players. Trust me, it's a massive thing for strikers. Um, and it just drops a weight off your shoulders. And then all of a sudden, everything falls to you. And, you know, you had a shot that hit something goes into the back of the net. And off you go, happy days, you know. And he seems to be the talisman now. And, and that, that's maybe what he wants. You know, it's sometimes you need that as a player. And you want that pressure to talk about his thriving on it. And, and he's doing right ready at the moment. Yeah, he does seem to be the main man. And I guess that's something that goes hand in hand with being a striker, isn't it? You know, you're all... <laughs> wouldn't say ego like but being a striker is one of those positions where you need an ego and you need the confidence in yourself and you want to be the main man and that's happening to him now and hopefully it won't be too long before yourself and hopefully James I mean how's James coming on just mentioning him yeah I spoke to James last night he's pretty confident he's going to be back sooner rather than later I think he's possibly going for a scan maybe this week there's still a, bit of, a good bit of swelling on his ankle so I think he might be going to go and scan it just to make sure but He's no boot or anything on. He's walking about and he's doing bits and pieces. So uh, he's certainly on the right direction. I, I wouldn't know how long, but talking to him last night, he was pretty confident it wouldn't be too long, you know. It's uh, it's a pretty good situation. We've got the guy, I think Korean are the top goal scorers in the division at the moment. And we've got two of our top strikers hasn't kicked the ball this season. So I, I'm not trying to say it's, it's it, but it bodes well, I guess, doesn't it? The fact that we're the, the top goal scorers, we've got two main men yet to kick a ball. Curtis. Yeah, well, that's it. it. It shows that we're creating chances. And I think, you know, times when we lost season, we weren't creating a lot of chances, which is, you know, if you're creating lots of chances, you're missing them, and then you're sort of starting to question the strikers. But at times, we, we, do, we didn't create a lot. I think we Connors opened up a new dimension with shots and stuff. Glax is, is shooting more, and that actually opens stuff for the strikers, which is weird. Other people shooting helps the strikers, you know. And I think the pitch is going to be massive for that too, where we move the ball and you can just... Uh, you know, put balls in the box. It's not that slog that we had sometimes, and it's draining. You know, we, you're on the pitch, it's quick. We're training on the 4G now, you know, and I think that's that just creates a lot more in and around the box. You know, if you're sharp, if you've got it, you know, that's my point of view. I'm looking at that 4G pitch. If you're sharp in there in the box, things will drop and you're on it, you'll get goals. And, you know, at the minute, we've scored a lot of goals away from home. And, and when you look at home, the home games that we have coming up, hopefully a lot more chances will fall and, and people. People are putting them away. Shelby's done rightly, but with a, a good couple of scores already this season, which is good too. Hey, Johnny, just funny, we're just talking about it there, but Orn uh, at the end of the game on Saturday did mention that <laughs> it's quite a strange thing to admit as a manager, but Orn said that he actually enjoys watching his team play now, which maybe wasn't always the case. Yeah, but I can see why. Like, I, like, you know, we've got two very attacking fullbacks. Um, I wouldn't swap in our two fullbacks from any other in the league. And then you've got Connor and Glax, who are very, very good to watch. And then Stephen Lowry, who just, he gets better the older he gets. Um, they'll, they'll flog that man until he's about 40 in the middle of the park. And then, um, and then obviously Matthew's banging him in up, up front as well with the legs of Skinner and, and, and Cahar. So, 
yeah, they, they are they're a very, very good team to watch. And yeah, I enjoy watching them. Uh, mm. I think 4G pitch at Hulkus as well. And it's weird because Oren, whenever we signed Boucher, was like, I need to add more goals to our team. And yeah, you know, fair enough. Yeah, we're top goal scorers in the league. And that's probably one thing we probably did complain about last year is that we just didn't score enough goals. But we, we certainly kind of kind of no complaints so far. Indeed, we can. But I think Curtis is right. The pitch has helped and the feel-good factor about the place and the team's playing better. And I've noticed... You know, even playing out, the, the team are playing out a little bit more from the back now. Yeah? They just seem to have a good system which suits them. And obviously, Glax and Connor McHenry have a little bit of license there to get in between the lines as well and create problems. And as you say, and Oren admitted it himself, they are good to watch. And maybe that's why there's so many supporters going now. So, um, well, here, lads, thank you very much for that for your for your time this afternoon. Um, we've got Warren Point on Saturday, a couple of games after that that perhaps we would be looking at to get good results. And, and hopefully by the time uh, we get into around Christmas time, which is not far away by all accounts, uh, Curtis, hopefully you'll be back in some form or another. Maybe James will be back too. Um, so first of all, just thank you, Johnny, for your time as ever. And Curtis, thank you very much for your time. It was, it was a delight to hear from you today. And, and I hope everything goes well for you and, and you keep your keep the chin up over the next couple of weeks trying to get back again. No, thanks for having me on. I've enjoyed it. And yes, as I say, I'm I'm, I'm ready to go and I'm, I'm thinking positively and working hard behind the scenes to, to, to get myself back and you know, man up to have a very, very good second half of the season, which will be great for myself, but also you know, great for the team and, and, and the sort of business end of things, you know. Yeah, and in the meantime, you keep up that uh, good punditry work that you're doing. You enjoy that. I do, I love it. I love, I love doing it, you know, and, you know, me and my guy up a career outside of, you know, playing <laughs> and stuff, and I really enjoy it. Listen, you're sitting watching football talking about it, what, what more do you want? So, I'll, I'll yeah. keep it up at any time I can. Watching football, getting paid for it, huh? Not a bad oh, job. That's it. That's it. Anyway, well, here, all the best, Curtis. Thank you very much for your time, mm-hmm. and sure, we'll see you around at the weekend, hopefully. Um, Johnny, thank you, and obviously, thank you to everybody for listening, wherever you may be in the world. Uh, we always appreciate your your support as well as the players on the, the team as well. So thank you very much. And until next week, look after yourselves and come on the bandsiders. <laughs>